Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Wednesday, June 14th reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Phone apps for the battlefield. Soldiers test new system featuring real-time mapping. Chat. Written by Mary Shin. Weatherford balks at perceived blight on Main Street. Written by Pat Hill. Cripple Creek detective pleads guilty in sex case. Annual Cripple Creek race celebrates beds and brothels. Written by Doug Fitzgerald. Colorado Supreme Court rules commercial property owners not entitled to 2020 tax relief. Written by Michael Carlick. And following up with miscellaneous articles. Our top story is entitled Phone Apps for the Battlefield. Soldiers test new system featuring real-time mapping. Chat. The system of apps called GreenKit was tested in Poland for the first time last week and is designed to boost safety and communication on the battlefield. Written by Mary Shin. Poland. Inside a tank with explosions on all sides, knowing allied soldiers and not enemies are coming up beside you, you can save lives. In Poland, the 2nd Cavalry Regiment tried out a new system for ensuring that allies from multiple nations all have the same real-time map of the battlefield on their phones and can send chat messages to other soldiers. The regiment drove 2,000 people and hundreds of vehicles from Germany to Poland to participate in multinational exercise overseen by the 4th Infantry Division based at Fort Carson. The new system cuts across international military computer systems and networks to allow soldiers to share sensitive but unclassified information and to bolster safety and effectiveness, 2nd Cavalry Regiment officers said. We are able to target the enemy faster and quicker and across allied boundaries. So, if I see an enemy and he's driving over to my allies' area of operations, I can then warn him and send him the location of that enemy directly, said Major Trevor Sensman an intelligence officer. The 2nd Cavalry Regiment was able to try out their system for the first time during a military exercise in northeast Poland that brought together troops from the U.S., Poland, Romania, Croatia, and the United Kingdom. The soldiers passed out about 35 phones with applications called the Green Kit, that run on a secure cloud to troops from all the countries to try. Allies could also use their own devices to join the live map and use potentially many other capabilities, such as live translation, which is the proof-of-concept stage. During the training that featured various tanks, ground troops, high-mobility artillery rocket systems, and artillery, among other firepower, from the participating countries, 
The early tests of the system went well, Sensman said. I was able to see all of our partners maneuvering on the battlefield, and they're reporting to everybody. The British were able to turn on their camera on their device, and I was able to view it in the tower. So it's also given us a lot more sensors on the battlefield, too, he said. From the observation tower, Sensman overlooked a wide green practice range that was filled with the sound of gunfire and artillery during the exercise. Several officers noted the new system is also cheap and scalable, built using off-the-shelf technology. For example, the Army's Tactical Assault Kit application that provides real-time mapping of units is available in a commercial form to law enforcement agencies and fire departments. So members of the 2nd Cavalry Regiment found a way for the commercial version of the application to work with the Army's version to allow soldiers from other nations to get connected, said Sensman and his colleague Major Jamie Holm. Major Ryan Mania, the Regimental Operations Officer, said he sees a lot of opportunities for adoption, including the Air Force. I think we're building momentum very quickly, he said. A challenge to adoption, he said, could be a mindset shift around the kind of data that can be shared. Some data has been classified because it was shared on a classified system, but it could be shared. There's a little bit of cultural shift that has to happen, he said. To protect the sensitive information, the system was built for security and flexibility. So the U.S. and allies choose the information they wish to share. For example, Americans could keep their location a secret and just communicate with allies, Sensman said. If a phone was picked up by an enemy, it would be password protected, and if they got into the device, individual users can be removed from the system. Hacking the system would also be tough because it is secured with the same level of encryption as banking information, Manina said. While the Sefka while the 2nd Cavalry Regiment was putting some of these capabilities to the test last week, they were also training to surge into Poland quickly in case of a threat, as the Russian war in Ukraine continues into its second year. If Americans needed to protect NATO countries in the region, the system could take days off the amount of time it would take for Americans to coordinate with allies and come up with a communications plan, Holmes said. We'll come in being able to deliver combat power and integrate with our allies, he said. The next article is entitled Weatherford Box at Perceived Blight on Main Street, written by Pat Hill. In Woodland Park, a rundown old building on the city's main street prompted a discussion about urban blight versus private property rights. The building at 209 East Midland Avenue is an ongoing insult to the city, said Arden Weatherford, member of the Downtown Development Authority, speaking at the meeting June 6. 
Weatherford also takes issue with a broker's sign in the window. It looks like a high school kid made it, he said. There's just nothing positive going on over there. DDA Chair Tony Perry went for the kinder, softer solution rather than seeking condemnation by the city. We have been trying to sit down with the owner and broker, he said. Perhaps there is a grant we may be able to access to help them clean up. However, the DDA is charged with addressing urban blight, Perry said. Maybe this board can recommend to the city that we start this condemnation process, he said. The process is onerous to actually make that happen. On the other hand, Perry repeated his suggestion that the board attempt to find a solution with the owner. I believe the best strategy is to sit down with the owner and make it clear that we are here to assist him in any way to improve his investment, Perry said. Weatherford agreed with Perry to a point. But let's not be afraid to do what we gotta do, he said. This has been going on for the past couple of years. In other business, Perry suggested relocating the Cog Railway car from Woodland Station to the barn behind Walmart. The move is due to the Taba House development on the property. Near the end of the meeting, Rusty Neal, City Councilman Liaison to the DDA, urged caution about the petition to regulate short-term rentals being circulated by the Preserving Neighborhood Character in Woodland Park, Inc., I would suggest the citizens read the initiative very carefully, Neil said. It is truly not what I would consider an anti-STR document, but it's almost an anti-visitor document. The petition looks benign in its stipulations around STRs, Neil said, while urging caution by the voters. The petition group wants to allow STRs in business commercial zones However, the petition conflicts with the existing code. After the meeting, Neil clarified his statements on the petition. The conflict, he said, is with the limitation on structure types, single-family dwelling units, two-family dwelling units, duplexes, townhomes, condominiums, are not allowed in any of the four business commercial zones. Multifamily dwellings, condominiums, and townhouses are conditionally permitted, but not as rental buildings. The petitioner's proposed ordinance does not allow apartments to be STRs in business commercial zones. This combination of existing restrictions with the proposed ordinance makes an STR in a business commercial zone nearly impossible to exist. Anybody who has a visitor for less than 30 days in their primary dwelling turns that dwelling into an STR, Neil said at the meeting. I'm not asking you to trust what I'm saying, but please read the petition and dissect it. The petition is either poorly written or very clever, he said. I don't think it was clever. I just think they missed a few things. Business owners should be concerned about such a massive change to the city's economy, he added. Perry was succinct. I think the issue is important for our community and for the future of our community, he said. 
The next article is entitled, Cripple Creek Detective Pleads Guilty in Sex Case, written by Zachary DuPont, a Cripple Creek detective accused of having an inappropriate sexual relationship with an alleged victim in a sex trafficking case pleaded guilty Monday to public indecency, a petty offense, and attempt to influence a public servant, a felony. I misrepresented information to Chief Bright, Cripple Creek's police chief, to not lose my position with the police department. Alexander Kenner, age 36, told Teller County Judge Scott Sells. In exchange for the guilty plea, which was part of a plea deal, prosecutors dismissed two charges of sexual conduct by a peace officer. Kenoyer also told the judge he had sex with the victim while on duty. As part of the plea agreement, Kenoyer accepted two years of probation and the possibility of up to 60 days in jail. However, Sells said he could decide to give Kenoyer no jail time at sentencing. Sells will also decide whether Kenoyer's probation will be supervised or unsupervised. According to the affidavit, Kenoyer's relationship with the victim began over text message in 2021, and the two first met to have sex at a local hotel in November of that year. The affidavit states that sexually explicit explicit text messages between the two were intertwined with the woman occasionally asking about her case and for legal advice. Texts also revealed alleged sexual contact between the two in Kenoyer's office at the Cripple Creek Police Station and in his police vehicle. The relationship ended when Kenoyer refused to leave his wife. A short time later, the police department and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation launched a probe into his misconduct. The woman told detectives that she had been coerced and blackmailed by Kenoyer into writing a letter to Chief Bright, stating they supposedly didn't have any sex, according to the affidavit. The victim, who no longer lives in Colorado, appeared virtually Monday via WebEx but chose not to speak to the court. Kenoyer is scheduled to be sentenced August 14. The next article is entitled Annual Cripple Creek Race Celebrates Beds and Brothels, written by Doug Fitzgerald. You don't even have to get out of bed to participate in a race in Cripple Creek. The fourth annual Pearl DeVere Day Bed Races will be held on July 22. Event planners are hoping to expand the race. Having more bed racing teams is our goal this year, so consider participating in the unique event, the Old Homestead Museum Board said in a press release. This event is not just a race. It's also racy. That's fitting because DeVere was a famous soiled dove and brothel owner in Cripple Creek. Each team will have three members, two Johns and one Pearl. Pearl will ride on the bed with one John while the Johns take turns pushing. One John will push the bed to the turnaround point, change pushers, and return to the start-finish line. It is up to the desecration of the team 
what their team looks like. It can be three guys or three women if you want, but one will need to be the designated as their pearl and stay on the bed for the entire race. The entry fee is $30 for teams that make their own beds. If you need to borrow a bed, the entry fee is $40. There are no set specifications for the bed. Just remember you will be pushing it on Cripple Creek Street. So take into consideration the weight, ease of handling around corners, and durability, organizers said. Each heat will be timed. The fastest time from all heats will be declared the overall winner. Registration is available online at oldhomesteadhouse.com. You can download the forms. There are also, you can download the forms there also, or stop by the museum for a hard copy. Call the museum for more information at 719-689-9090. That's 719-689-9090. Whether racing or not, participants can enter the Best Dressed Madame contest. The old homestead was built in 1896 and was the most elegant brothel in the Cripple Creek Mining District during its heyday. Since 1958, the house has been operated as a museum and has been a public favorite ever since. With the continued support of the community, this treasure will be around for many generations to come. The next article is entitled, Colorado's Supreme Court Rules Commercial Property Owners Not Entitled to 2020 Tax Relief. COVID-19 may have infected people who were on the property, but COVID-19 did not infect the property itself, wrote Justice Monica Marquez, written by Michael Carlick. The four separate cases encompassing hundreds of commercial property owners, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled the COVID-19 pandemic and accompanying public health restrictions on businesses did not entitle the owners to a lower property tax bill for 2020. Eleven lawsuits across Colorado challenged the decisions of county assessors who declined to revalue commercial properties for the 2020 tax year. The request came as governmental regulation shuttered businesses restricted capacity, and otherwise attempted to control the spread of the novel coronavirus. Colorado law does empower assessors to consider unusual conditions and regulations affecting the use of land, including detrimental acts of nature. Consequently, the Supreme Court agreed in a handful of cases to answer whether the COVID-19 pandemic fell into that category. Whether COVID-19 is viewed as a virus or pandemic, it did not resemble the natural events, earthquakes, floods, and tornadoes that we consider acts of nature, wrote Justice Monica M. Marquez. COVID-19 may have infected people who were on the property, but COVID-19 did not infect the property itself. James P. Bick, Jr., the Missouri-based attorney, who represented the property owners through the Joseph C. Sansone Company tax firm, 
estimated the tax savings to his clients could have been in the millions of dollars had they prevailed. In a related ruling, the court also clarified when county assessors may evaluate unusual conditions. Property tax assessments in Colorado operate on a two-year cycle in a backward-looking fashion. Property values for 2019 and 2020 were set on January 1, 2019. The values came from data gathered between January 1, 2017 and June 30, 2018. The system means property owners will enjoy a lower bill if their property values increase after the data gathering period, while counties will benefit from more revenue if values drop after that same period. Although it was possible for property values in 2020 to change from their 2019 amount due to unusual conditions in 2019, the COVID-19 health orders came exclusively after January 1, 2020. Therefore, the effects of COVID-19 could play a role in property values for tax years 2021 and 2022, but not 2020 itself. The Supreme Court observed the frequent public health orders, some of which restricted business operations and others restored a semblance of normalcy. Would make real-time calculations of property values impractical and a volatile period in which certain businesses closed, then opened, then closed in response to rapidly changing public health orders, and which may or may not have decreased the value of the properties in which the businesses were located, would require near-constant reevaluation, wrote Justice Maria E. Birkenkotter in a separate case. Prior to the Supreme Court's intervention, trial judges across the state had reached different conclusions about whether commercial property owners could petition county assessors for a reduction in their 2020 property values after the 2020 tax year had begun. Last October, the Court of Appeals issued a precedent-setting decision that assessors had to be that assessors had to at least consider the impact of COVID-19. In an unusual move, the appeals court then asked the Supreme Court to accept four nearly identical cases and decide once and for all what to do with the high volume of requests for tax relief. Multiple counties wrote to the Supreme Court arguing the law does not require them to perform a massive reevaluation project in a pandemic or any comparable situation where the value of a property may fluctuate over a short window. A hotel of 120 rooms, if they remodel at a rate of two to three days per room, the assessor would have to go out every two to three days for the next 240 to 360 days and issue new assessments, said David P. Arad of the Larimer County Attorney's Office, told the justices in January. Citizens have no idea what their tax burden is going to be because we're constantly changing and updating it, and governments can't plan for 
any of the critical services because they have no idea what the final outcome of their budgets will be. Bick countered the COVID-19 health orders were unique in that they drastically curtailed use of many businesses during the worst of the pandemic. When you have a regulation that closes your business or prohibits it from operating, that's a regulation that restricts your use of land, he said. Some members of the court seemed unconvinced the public health orders limiting capacity or requiring mask wearing amounted to unusual conditions restricting the use of real estate. How does a virus relate to property, said Justice Richard Gabriel. This is a virus of human beings. Would the health department closing a restaurant be something requiring reevaluation of the land that shuts the business down, added Justice Melissa Hart. Ultimately, the Supreme Court decided the COVID-19 pandemic was unlike traditional disasters affecting property values, like floods or fires, in that it occurred everywhere and did not affect the property itself. Thanks for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.